throughout human history, most people have believed in some sort of God or gods, but atheists have also always existed. So why does someone become an atheist? This is an episode not about debating atheists versus theists, but about understanding each other. We discuss this and more with special guest, Matas Gelajowskis. Gosh, I hope I got that name right. On this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, a home for people who love to have fun thinking deeply. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, armchair theologian. And with me, as always, is my thrillingly theistic co-host. <laughs> Way to out me there. Nathan Clarkson, <laughs> actor, author, filmmaker, and as Joseph said, just a big old Jesus freak, man. <laughs> uh, one of those people. Yeah, one of those. Well, and with us today is a very special guest. He is a translator and ESL teacher from Lithuania, who at the age of 29 has already translated 10 books from English to Lithuanian, including Dune Messiah, Auschwitz, The Nazis and the Final Solution, David A. Sinclair's Lifespan on the Science of Aging, and Behave by Robert N. Sapolsky. Why well, I butchered that name. Um, <laughs> And most importantly, he's a deeply valued member of the Overthinkers community. Please welcome the majestic, the magnetic, the magnificent, Mattis Gelazowskis. That was solid. That was solid. That was solid. That was very, very solid considering it's like the second time you tried it. It was a good try. It was a good try, Joseph. That was 90% there. Oh, good, yes. good, good okay. one, good one. Is... By the way, did you did you did you specifically come up with like all the M words? Oh yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's not a complete accident. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. Hello. I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. I'm very, very, very happy that you decided to have me on. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. We've been we wanting to have you on TV for a long today. Time. Yeah. A lot, a lot of yelling, a lot of fighting. Oh boy, it's happening right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready, man. I'm ready, man. Cool. I'm ready to throw, throw, well, throw yes. punches. So, as you may have been gathering, and you may know because you're listening to the episode, we do an intro cold open before this anyway. Um, we today are talking about atheism. But first, before we go on, Nathan, if people enjoy this discussion and want to engage more with the topics this way and find other their overthinkers like themselves, where can they go? They can go to theoverthinkersjournal.com where they can find out more about their hosts, blog entries, and a list of upcoming live events. We've had a few right here in the city in New York, and we want to have overthinkers uh, gather together. We love doing that. We want to see one of these events. You can also go to our online group, The Overthinkers, on Facebook. Just type in The Overthinkers. We're posting memes, articles, discussions, and having a great time thinking deeply. And also, if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a review or sharing with a friend. It really does help us so much. Cool. So everybody ready? Let's do it. Let's go. Cool. So atheism is presently and historically one of the smallest and yet most influential demographics in the world. Atheism is defined by Merriam-Webster as a person who does not believe in the existence of a god or any gods. According to Pew Research and the Psychology Today piece, How Many Atheists Are There? Atheists account for 7% of the world's population are more likely to be white, majority countries, is growing in white majority countries, 
are more likely to be in Europe than America, are mostly men, and tend to be more highly educated than the rest of the population. Despite their small size, atheists have always had a high influence on the world, founding and shaping philosophies like Epicurus and David Hume, science like deep Stephen Hawking, and culture like George Orwell. Even Christian theologians and philosophers like Aquinas, Anselm, Pascal, and in modern day, William Lane Craig, have spent an incredibly large amount of their work attempting to refute the claims made by atheists. Despite all of this engagement, religious people and atheists seem no closer to understanding how each other sees the world, often seeming like they're speaking two different languages. No uh, pun intended. Boo! <laughs> Mattis, the reasons people become convinced God exists versus don't exist are wide and varied, almost as wide and varied as individuals themselves. So what's your story of why you're an atheist? Were you always an atheist or did you come to your atheism later on? And what did that look like? Okay, so it's actually quite ironic because the I spent 13 years of my education uh, in a Catholic school. Mm. I literally like there's preschool and then 12 years of high school. I spent all the time in the same school. It was a Catholic school. We used to have mass every month mm. and all the other, you know, things that are, come with that. And I remember having a conversation with my mom one time and he was, she was very surprised when I said that I'm an atheist. And she's like, but no, but you went to a Catholic school. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but it didn't work. It doesn't work. It didn't that take. Way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's why I'm an atheist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually, that I don't think that had that much of an impact. I think if I wanted to go to the reasons what, what which pushed me towards atheism, um, they were a little bit different. Most of most of them are related to the fact that I I became familiar with the Bible because when I was little, my mom used to read me like from a kid's Bible, like an ad adapted version of the Bible. Mm -hmm. But she was not familiar with it enough herself so that she could, you know, explain and interpret it. She would just read it to me as a bedtime story. Mm -hmm. So I am quite familiar with most of the stories, especially from the Old Testament, like the Genesis story or the lion pit or the guy who died and who was swallowed by a fish. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, all of those things. I am quite familiar with the stories. And so, was, so yeah. you're familiar with scripture. That's really interesting. It's not because yes. I think a lot of Christians are like, oh, if they read the Bible, they, of course, no. convert. And so no. you're saying you grew up in, a, in an environment, both a school and at home, in which you had this yes. large context and education about religion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I am quite familiar with the scripture uh, enough to know the base, the main ideas, you know, that are behind it and the structure of it and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so the argument that if you read the Bible, you would convert, no. Because when I, if mm. I open the Bible and I just read it verbatim, especially from the start, all I see are contradictions. Because mm. mm. like, because my perspective, and that's another reason what pushed me towards atheism is that when I was about maybe 10 years old, I learned about Darwin and the theory of evolution and all the scientific perspective, you know, towards the oh. uh, genesis of the world. And I, by that time, I already knew the Genesis story from the adapted Bible that my mother was reading. And I was like, okay, this doesn't match at all. Mm. So when I was around 10, that was the first time I was like, wait a second. This doesn't oh. make sense. You were and, finding that scripture 
did not articulate reality. That yeah, you have, absolutely, absolutely. You have, science, you have Abs- all these people believing in, in religious things, and it doesn't have any connection to actual at all. reality at all, at all, mm. at all, at all. Like it, initially, because the the first thing I learned was the Bible story. So at first, I believed them. Yeah, like okay, God created the heaven and earth and everything in seven days, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He created man on the last day, etc., etc., etc. I kind of believe that because I didn't know any better. And like my sure. mom told me the story and I was like, okay, so this is how it is. Uh, but then, as I said, after, after I learned uh, about Darwin theory of evolution and that we came up from monkeys, etc., I was like, this doesn't match. Mm. And then I used to have a bunch of discussions with my late grandfather where we specifically, I would argue for evolution and Darwin and he he wasn't a particularly religious man but he was also familiar with scripture you know and he would specifically argue against uh so that i we could have a debate mm. and i was 10 and 11 years old and whenever i was doing this that's good see i i want to interject here real quick and say yeah by the way, the way that me and Mattis met is online. We live in, in different parts of the world, as you've heard, but yes. we met online in a group that is specifically formulated for a very particular personality type. I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ENTPs. And ENTPs, if there's anything that we love, it's discovering through a truth through the art of discussion, debate, and yes. uh, th- this is very congruent with the things is that, I love. Is that is that is that what the what what it's for? Is that what yes. the debate is for? Discovering truth. Is that it? It's also for yes. fun too. Yes, also yes. It's fun. also a sport. It's also a sport. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that makes sense. I'll buy that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so this, that that yeah, was go, the go whole per- the whole process as I was like moving away from the Bible actually because I was like this doesn't make sense and actually the Darwin thing makes more sense. Hmm. Because, because, yeah, okay, the, this, like, the creatures evolved over time very slowly, and then I got into this whole Big Bang thing and how the universe started. I was very much into it. I read one of the Stephen Hawking's books when I was around 14, I think. It was called The Universe in a Nutshell. Uh, I fell in love with Hawking basically immediately. He was... He, was one of my idols um uh, through my through my adult uh teenage years and i just gravitated more and more towards the scientific perspective and so naturally i rejected the bible perspective because they didn't match for me and the bible thing didn't make sense i was like this Mm. cannot have happened in seven days and uh, you cannot just create a human by basically snapping your fingers. No, the evolution thing makes much more sense. And so I think the overarching argument that I came up with when I was preparing for this conversation of ours was like, if, if I had to compare, I view it as a sort of zero-sum situation. If I had to compare like believing in, in the Christian paradigm, so to speak, and then the alternative is to believe in the secular or scientific paradigm, or however you want to call it. Uh, in 95% of the cases, I find the secular scientific paradigm to be superior. Sure. It or things. Yeah. This yeah, is or, very interesting because I, I what I'm what I'm hearing you say, and but by, by the way, to everyone listening out there, because we have, we have, I'd say a majority religious audience, um, mm-hmm. you're gonna want to hear us fight today and i was joking earlier we're not going to 
there's plenty of places on YouTube you can find that. What we want to do today is discover how different people think. And I also want to show that people who believe entirely different things about reality and life can still be friend and have a friendly conversation. That's part of what I want to do today. But Absolutely. what I'm hearing you say, Mattis, is really interesting to me because I see a lot of overlap. Uh, your reasons for what you believe are actually very, very close to why I believe what I believe. And here's the mm. thing. Um, I actually believe all, all the science as well. I, and I would say I don't actually see these things as mutually exclusive, believing in science and having scripture uh, inform us about reality. Now, the thing that I hear you saying, which is really interesting, I hear this from a lot of people, is that science better articulates reality than any religious um, textbooks or pastors, yes. etc. Yes. thinkers. Yes, I do. would agree. And so, which is interesting because I think we're all, no matter what you believe, looking for the thing that best articulates reality to understand reality. And... Um, and so I, I find a common ground here that we're all looking at things and saying, which one of these things better articulates what I find to be the most yes. convincing yes. and yes. plausible? You know, there's no knowing. We, there's no absolute mm -hmm. knowing. We're humans. But what's Absolutely. the most plausible explanation of reality? And so that's yeah. where we have common ground. Well, Joseph, you also, have I was I was also say that, again, I think this is really interesting. Again, in my, all of my kind of, you know, the listening and conversations, and even again, you know, my own kind of journey um, of faith, because I, I was was unsure about my faith during my adolescence, um, but also like whenever I, I see stories about, you know, my own journey about questioning my faith and journeys of people who do leave, you know, their faith, one of the things I find is find this, this same story for different reasons sometimes, but that what they're taught about the world from the religious paradigm or as children for the religious paradigm um, doesn't match what they actually see and experience in reality. Sometimes, yeah, yeah. sometimes this, I mean, again, sometimes this will be science, like you said, you know, what you read about the world, what you, what you learn, yes. about, you know, science, you know, the people helping planes fly, like, you yeah. know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they seem to have a better grasp on things than, than the religious people. It's like, okay, yes. fair enough. But I also see this again, like with like, uh, oftentimes this is in sexual mores. It's like, oh, my, you know, my religious parents told me that, you know, that, that this kind of sex is bad. It's like, well, then mm -hmm. I actually go out and experiment sexually and I actually have a more fulfilling life than I did before. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of- And is that, and is that a conflict for you? Then you have to consider whether you have sinned maybe? Sure. So, so oh yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Well, and, and so the question then, so, but it's also interesting is that the other side of it also takes place. You have people who start out as atheists or became Christians and left and then came back and they do for the same reasons because they they find that like Nathan said that mm -hmm. they're that the religious explanation of the world is either doesn't conflict more more, su thought, more suitable for them or, yeah absolutely or, or or more reflects the reality I mean C.S. Lewis is famous for saying yeah, exactly. that I don't um I I, I don't believe in Christianity I believe in Christianity for the same reason I believe in the sun not just because I can see it but by its light I can see everything else and it mm -hmm. seems like the reasons that people tend to believe the things that they believe. So I just think that's, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I totally agree with everything that you said. And actually, that's how I would describe my own atheism in a sense that, yes, I cannot fully, completely know uh, whether or not there is a God. But if I had to make a conclusion, I would say that it's way more likely that he does not exist. Right. Yeah. Mm. So, so that, that is my paradigm. 
uh, I do not pretend to be all knowing, of course. Of course. So sure. I yeah. never, no, no, I we never need to be uh, just deluded fools. You leave who that to Nathan. To believe Nathan, can, can, Nathan can do that. He can just know everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll be the know it okay. all. That's fine. But no, so, yeah. so I, I guess my, my question is were there other places of contradiction that you found as you as you grew up? Because you were talking about uh, Darwin yeah. and then you were. Yeah, yeah. So that was the first one. That was the sure. biggest one. And then later, I what I found was if you choose to follow the the bible the the principles and the ideas that are laid out in the bible the problem i have with it is that it actually requires quite a bit of cherry picking hmm mm. go Explain. on no, 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 no. like yeah. because because if if you take the whole bible hmm. and especially in the old testament like, for example, the reasons you could be stoned to death for. Ah, right? Yeah. Adultery, breaking the Sabbath, sure. attempting to convert people into other religions, idolatry, cursing God, rebellion against parents, mm. sexual intercourse between two men, and pretending to have been a virgin. Yes, I have this written down. <laughs> <laughs> we love a prepared guy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... I understand that most of these things are, you know, negative and morally questionable, et cetera, but a death sentence. Yeah. Really? Yeah. No, that's, you know, and he, yeah. here's something too. This is something Christians struggle okay. with and have um, mm -hmm. a long time. And I think that that's a fair pushback. Yeah, I yeah. think or that's something. Slavery, for example, another yeah. thing. Yeah. But you I know. will say. Yeah, exactly. I think for every one of those things, I think one of the problems, not problems, I'll say one of the things I see a lot of people doing is reading scripture as, uh, this is an old one, prescriptive rather than descriptive. And that's what mm -hmm. I have found a lot. And this is something I is kind of a new thing, uh, not a new thing, but it's something that really changed my perspective was the Bible is a, it's not a monolithic piece of literature, right? It's a mix of poetry, history, it has hundred authors, it has yeah. it's a span of thousands of years. And so you get these things yes. where sometimes you're reading history and sometimes and you're reading law. Precisely. And I agree with what you just said, but that is precisely my point. Mm, let's hear it. If you, if you want to, to have this uh, paradigm as basis for your life, yeah. let's say, and your main source is still the Bible, and you yeah. can uh, interpret it, yeah. you can listen to priests interpret it, you can do it yourself, especially if you're a Protestant, but the, the, <laughs> the fact still remains that you have to do all of this cherry picking, you have to discard all of those things that, okay, we agree that these are like more like historical pieces or customs. Sure. Of course, we don't adhere to them, et cetera, et cetera. But then you get to things like um, uh, one of the 10 commandments. Uh, in my case, it was number six, thou shalt not commit adultery. Mm. But in Matthew 5, 27, 28, he says, um, you look on a woman with lust and you have committed. Yeah, you have heart. heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, anyone who looks at the woman lustfully has already committed adultery in here with her in his heart. Mm. So and you can find all these little things. OK, so then you have to um, adjust that. You have to amend that. Uh, you have to pick this thing out. You have to uh, remove that. You know, and, and that is that requires a lot of effort. 
So if, sure. I'm, if I'm looking for a belief system to base my life upon, and I can choose either to have, for example, the Christian or some sort of other form of uh, religion, or I can go the secular route and have maybe a more subjective, um, more malleable sense of morality that is maybe dependent on circumstance and I make my own decisions on what is right and wrong and I follow my own path. Of which of these is actually easier? I'm not quite sure, really. Easier? And, I definitely agree with you. And that, com- and that comes back to my main point that I, in my view, the I chose the non-religion non-religious path because it made more sense and it Mm. i found it to be a little bit easier and also i heard a very good argument that like for people who make uh, the claim that the bible or the scripture can be a source for moral grounds you know moral some sort of basis but if you need a book to tell you to not kill people you have a problem Interesting. A couple of things yeah, are, 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 are interesting here. Just to, so one is, I think, is fascinating. So we talked about like, you know, the, it, the Bible's inability, it's like the, the, um, the feeling that the Bible doesn't really match reality. What it tells you about reality doesn't mm-hmm. match reality. Now we've moved on to sort of like the moral guide problem, which is yep. that yep. it seems to be an unreliable moral guide, or at the very least, convoluted. Not, convoluted yes well unreliable because it's convoluted it's like okay, mm-hmm. it's 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 difficult it's it's like you can't say okay i'm gonna take a moral question i'm gonna take it to the bible and so if, if i'm understanding correctly it's like okay look i can have a fuzzy complicated subjective um morality that's with the bible or i can have the same thing without the bible more or less why do i need the bible to overcomplicate things yeah it, just going to be as messy as oh, that's interesting Argu- arguably as messy yes exactly or exactly. even more messy than yeah life and than- also with the bible you have a problem of interpretation either if you do it yourself course, or if you yeah. listen to a priest it doesn't matter because the bible has so many different versions and yeah. translations and mistranslations. <laughs> you know that the bible is the oldest game of broken telephone <laughs> no, definitely, definitely heard that. Because, <laughs> like, even even the Ten Commandments, like when I was looking this up, sure. And I know the Ten Commandments in the way I was taught the Lithuanian version, and I was looking up the English version. And in in my country, in my language, we have very few translations of the Bible, and actually, most people just refer to the latest one, uh, who which was uh, compiled in the late nineties. And that was the one I was taught. And I found that the version of the Ten Commandments that I know is mostly most closest to the version of the Roman Catholic Church, the Catechism Mm. uh, of their church. And like if you take the most popular English version, there are a few minor differences. Mm. For example, the, 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 the commandment of uh, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And the version that I learned as a child was just, you shall not speak untruth. Or thou shalt not lie. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And But then when you compare, it's not exactly the same. Sure. We, we don't this is, that- I will agree. This here is 
And, and I would say this is actually important for both Bible scholars and scientists, both of which sure. I respect and read, is yeah. to learn to go to the root of, and this is learning language, and you're a linguist, you're someone who translates, exactly. and you know exactly. that you can look at the root word, and there's, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm not a, a translator, but I'm mm. sure that sometimes you have to make a decision where it's like, well, there's not really a word in Lithuanian or English that really fully yes. encapsulates. And that's, that's part of the problem. But again, it comes back to my main point of how convoluted this is. And the number of multiple versions, especially in the English language, only adds to the problem. Oh, yeah, it does. If, 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 we, can have, if we can have disagreement, even in the most basic thing like the Ten Commandments, and we can have like uh, <coughs> some sort of mismatches, even though the basic idea is the same. Sure. But yeah. still, you can you can sort of go there and find little things. For example, no, I, there is a commandment about thou shalt not cover thy neighbor's wife. And then the English one ends. And the Lithuanian one is actually thou shall not cover the man or woman or of another. Mm. So it mentions both. Sure. Interesting. This is interesting. It actually makes me want to go back and look at the Hebrew at the original. Yeah. You see what I'm going? Because like the English version sounds like the at least the the, the popular English version that I found. It sounds like uh, like uh coveting another man is like okay it's just skipped yeah you can come alive <laughs> it's not a wife. yeah go. and i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna push back a little bit oh you said you weren't one, gonna, gonna do that nathan no no no, no, no <laughs> arguing i'm going to say one i actually identify with and understand and validate that yeah the bible is messy and it can seem on the surface um very convoluted and it can also seem self-contradictory i'm also going to say so can science and science can be a really difficult thing. And like Joseph said, I think it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, we, he pointed out kind of the end of the day, you got to pick your poison because mm -hmm. you're either going to go with the poison because science is hard to do. I'm not saying the science can't get us to a, a really okay. good definition. Okay. 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 I'm hearing you. Science is fuzzy and it's hard to understand because we you know that we've had science throughout the ages that, you know, the, the leading scientists of the day believed one thing we find out years later, oh, the earth isn't flat. And for all these years, the leading science says the earth was flat. And so looking at that, we can say that yeah, is actually that is actually a myth, by the way. What's that? Well, uh, the flat earth thing, that was not a super prevalent belief. Well, but you you get That's, my point. I, I, no, no, no. I get your. I absolutely get your point. I'm gonna actually push back on that because wait, 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 wait. wait. Because I have a I have a counterpoint to that. Okay, okay. I want to hear your counterpoint. But my my point is yeah, is messy. But I think yeah. all of it's messy. And I think when I look at because you were talking about the moral quandary earlier, it's like and I and mm -hmm. I understand. It's like if the Bible's going to be left and right and contradictory, and I'm supposed to get my morality from here, I think I'll figure it out on my own. And yeah. so I, I understand that. But I think what the Bible engaging with it does for me is not that I go know exactly what morality is. I'm, I still mm -hmm. hold things very open-handed in my hands. And this is why I'm very, very slow to judge people who act differently than me because I'm going, I don't know exactly what is more or what isn't. But what I think scripture does for me is it tells me that there is a design. There is an intent. There is a morality. And maybe I don't know it. And maybe the Bible isn't super obvious about it. But at mm -hmm. the base of scripture, it says the world was designed in such a fashion that there is mm -hmm. intent and meaning behind uh, behind life. And it also says intrinsically and objectively, 
killing is wrong. And there might be discrepancies in how we say, you know, mm-hmm. oh, don't murder or don't kill or, you know, in the, in the language. But at the heart of it, it is saying that there is an objective killing is wrong. You know, I think it was uh, Dostoevsky who said, mm-hmm. or the Tolstoy who said, without God, all the, the, things the, are permissible. Yeah. And that's what I find is a really um, interesting thing. And scripture says you might not get it on the first read or the thousandth read. Like I, mm-hmm. I'm 30 years into this and I'm still going, wait, what is right or wrong? Mm-hmm. But at the heart of it, I believe that there is a right or wrong, that there is an objective design behind the universe. So that, that's one of my pushbacks. But I do want to ask a question. Okay. Um, because I want to ask the questions that all the Christians are too scared to ask atheists. And so they have to rely. Is there a Christian, is there a question Christians are afraid to ask atheists? <laughs> That's true. I'm, yeah, pretty, I think, I'm actually, pretty sure there is. I, I was going to say, I think most questions, they just decide the answers in their head. For well, fair them. enough. Fair enough. And so, yes. and so what I, I want to ask, and, and by the way, none of these are coming from a gotcha place. I'm genuinely curious on a yes. personal level, because we can mm-hmm. argue theology and philosophy yeah. all day. Yeah. But on a personal level, one of the things I love so much about my faith, and this might be delusional, I, I'm mm-hmm. willing to, you know, when I die, but it's it's um, uh, what's uh, the the great um, bet? I might as well. Who is that? Uh, uh, the Pascal Pascal's Major. Pascal's Major. Yes. So I might be delusional. I'm fine with that. Um, I I think I hopefully lived a better life as as a result of my delusion, um, but. I don't think I am. I hope not. But one of the things I love about my faith is that it gives my life now eternal meaning. Meaning I wake up every day and the things I create, I'm an artist, right? The the movies I make, the books I write, it has eternal ramifications. And not just I get heaven where I get to sit on a cloud, but, you know, in more of a theological understanding, it's in, mm-hmm. listen to our past episode about the afterlife um, with our with a great guest. But it's a it's that what I do has meaning uh, now because it will last into eternity. And that is a really meaningful thing. And it gets me out of bed in the morning. It means my life has purpose. I, and the things I do matter now. And I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely curious. How does it feel? Because Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you believe when we die, that's it. Nothing happens. Ever frustration or fear. And I, and we, we know, no, no, never explain that. Talk a little bit on that. Okay, so that that thing involves two two like an answer is two pronged. Okay. So one uh, counterpoint that I would make immediately is the way I see it. If a Christian person or a religious person believes in eternal life, are you to? My immediate reaction would be: Are you too self-important to admit that the world can go on without you? Yes. <laughs> that is one. That How is long one have of you the, known Nathan? <laughs> like, yeah. that is one of the counterpoints that I heard that I really like in in like an existential sense. Like, we are we too scared to admit that we can be just gone, and so we mm. created this whole because at the the way I see it, at the root of it, all this faith paradigm is almost entirely fictional. It's created by humans, invented by humans. So if if I if I come from that place, then it's like so we we invented this uh, idea of an afterlife because we're too scared to mm. disappear from life. Sure. Yes, and so, I agree. And so it, it 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 we we but it doesn't make it any less fictional. You mm. know, that's not that's not uh, that's not really an argument, is what I'm saying. Yeah. 
so so that's so that's because it's like you would like this to be true it doesn't make it true <laughs> you're so, right it doesn't make it true just because i want it but my question is would you like it to be true and how does it affect you that you believe it's not? Uh, so yeah, so the second part uh, would be why it doesn't affect me or I choose to believe that is not the case. Because like you said, uh, you expect to have lived a better life because of it, because you have this belief that there is an afterlife. And so you try to have a better life now uh, with the with the you know, hopes of getting to heaven or however you want to call it. And in my perspective, uh, if I choose to not believe in eternal life or afterlife, then I am completely and entirely free. Mm. I do not have to consider, of course, I have my moral, you know, some sort of code or whatever. I don't, I'm not saying I'm going to be a complete anarchist and do anything. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't go why that not? far. Or I could, be, I could be, I could be, but my point is I don't necessarily have to go to that place. It doesn't automatically, if I don't believe in the afterlife, it doesn't automatically lead me to complete Whatever. chaos. Sure, sure. So, which is one of the arguments, by the way, that I heard also from believers, is yeah, that yeah. If, you, if you reject the Bible and you reject the afterlife, you are going to immediately uh, turn into this uh, immoral... A monster. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I know you well enough to know you're not a monster. <laughs> exactly. So you're a pretty I, good person, it seems like. I mean, pretty good. I prefer to have this personal freedom again on a moral mm. level and making my own decisions. And I don't have to consider this ultimate perspective that I can't even fully grasp. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just have my life and I lead it the way I see fit, including any and all sins that I have committed or whatever we would consider sins, sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, including bad habits or, or things that I should not have done to other people, etc., etc., etc. But I then live with those decisions because I made them and mm -hmm. I can judge myself. It's fine. I don't need an external judge. Sure. Uh, so I have way more trust in myself. And to come back to you saying that, um, you know, Nathan, you said that uh, the faith gives you some, some sort of meaning or ground to stand on. Uh, I, again, I would say that, do you then not trust yourself enough? So, like, so before that, like before that, I said that we're too scared to admit that we would just disappear. And that it's a bit of more of the same in my in my view. That are yeah. We... Let me let me answer that. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll yeah. say and then, and then I'll let you uh, jump in, Joseph. Yeah. I would say you're right. I don't want to not exist. I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. And mm -hmm. it would be detrimental to me. It'd be difficult for me to believe that there would be a time and when I end. Mm -hmm. And I use that desire actually as evidence that there is, believe me. And I know it's not proof. I'm not trying to say mm -hmm. this is a- Yeah, yeah, I get um, it. But, but to me, there's an intrinsic desire for the eternal. And I think to me, that existence of every human desire, and you, and you see religion through every culture, uh, some sort of theology through every culture. Exactly, exactly. And my time. question would be why? Because- Why the hell? <laughs> well, because that, that's a good question. That's a good question to ask. Why has everyone had this desire? And I, I use that 
as evidence to me that perhaps if you're hungry, food exists. If you're 30, thirsty, yeah. water exists. Mm -hmm. And if you long for eternity, eternity exists. Yeah, and so, exactly. And so that's a, and yeah, no, it's not proof by any means, but I do use the evidence of my desire as a, uh, a what, what does C.S. Lewis say, Joe? Yeah, yeah, he does the whole thing. It's like, if, if, um, if the satisfaction for my deepest desire um, doesn't exist in this world, then the most logical thing to do is that I was not necessarily made for this world. There's something like he puts this. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, so I think it's interesting about sort of the way your conversation here. And I like this aspect, this sort of, it's not exactly debate, but it's showing the different perspectives here, which yeah. is interesting because- Contrast, compare it, it, contrast. It, it shows, a, I think it's fascinating, kind of the different kind of ways of, of finding meaning of that I'm seeing here mm, because- yeah. It's kind of like this is a really a really for millennials and Gen Zs, this could be a really depressing kind of comparison. But you know, our parents' generation, you know, they saved money more because mm. they actually believed if you saved money, you could actually buy a house and then you could and now you money. can't. Yeah, and now then, you can't. I saved money and I still can't buy a house. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly. So that means that the that the 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 um millennials and Gen Z, they're not saving money because what's the mm -hmm. point? And because so, what's the point? And so, you know, Nathan, Nathan kind of is talking like, you know, like for, for, for believers, you know, it's like, okay, eternity exists. And therefore, you know, we're going to save money to buy a house, you know, mm -hmm. and we're going to, that's, and that's how a believers thinks you get most life satisfaction. And that's the universe they believe they live in. And that, and so they, that's what they do. Whereas you're saying it's actually more satisfying in a sense to mm -hmm. say, there's no eternity, so you don't have to save money. You can actually just spend it the way that you want now. Yes. yes. Within reason, obviously, the economy still exists. So yes. morality yes. still exists. Yes. But it's a kind of economy and morality that um that has a that has a, a definite horizon. And so mm -hmm. you don't have to have you have a shorter parameters, and therefore that gives you more freedom to exactly. have more of a I like I like your comparison. Yes. Wait, cool. That cool. is that cool. is very that is very very accurate to what I was trying to say. Indeed. Cool. Exactly. That is that is precisely. What's I interesting wanna... to me yeah. real quick is that we come from different perspectives on life. And you know, let's say um you know, I talk about how I find meaning, you talk about how you find meaning. Mm -hmm. We both find meaning. That's an no, absolutely. Thing. Absolutely. That was the point that I was making before. You have to kind of choose Yes. Yeah, and I, and I just chose a different paradigm. Exactly. Yeah. No, I, no, wanna, yeah. I know you want you want to ask a question. I do. Do at least have one more question before we end the conversation? So I want to make sure you get that. But go. But go ahead and uh, and ask. Uh, okay. Uh, no, I wanted to to very quickly pick, uh, come back to the science thing because we, oh, yes, we missed yes. one thing uh, when when the Nathan said that science is also fuzzy, and uh, so it's maybe comparable to the Bible being fuzzy. So to uh, two, two, two things very quickly on that. One is a quote, I don't remember who said it, but science is, are questions that may not be answered or at least cannot be answered right now. Hmm. And Bible gives you answers that cannot be questioned. Of course, that's a very strict view of the Bible, but that's the contra <laughs> that's the contrast that I sometimes sometimes see, and that doesn't rub me the right way. Uh, so, because the thing about science is that it keeps changing, improving, and evolving, and you have new new answers. Is that's exactly the point? 
Whereas the Bible or the, the Catholic doctrine, let's say, has been very, very strict, especially up until very sure. recently. Uh, but also another point that I love about this that I'm always making is imagine if we burned all the books in the world and all the knowledge would be gone. Mm -hmm. Now, and then we have to create everything again from scratch. So I would, it would be reasonable to assume that if we had to write all the holy scriptures from scratch, they will likely be very, very, very different from what we have now. Sure. For, for a bunch of reasons, like a lot of time has passed, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, yeah. Whereas in comparison, all the scientific literature would be more or less the same because you would observe the same thing and discover the same thing because it's objective. Well, you see where I'm going. We see, you sure. see where I'm going I, with this? I, I do. I, you know, I do see what you're going with there. I, I am going. So, to the, so the fuzziness. I get the fuzziness, and the, the science can also be fuzzy. Yes, but since the, the the religious paradigm is almost entirely fictional or subjective, at least, so then it it's it's very much it's very much more prone to being you know subjective. And whereas whereas science is mostly based on the objective observation of the natural world. And sure. so if we destroy all science, it would come back almost entirely the same. And that is also one of the reasons why I prefer, as I said in the beginning, uh, the scientific paradigm towards explaining the world, uh, then I prefer the, the faith-based one. Sure, sure. Well, it's, you know, oh, yeah. I, no, so well, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I, have a, I would say that I, I don't know if the history of science reflects that, but you know, because um, it, it takes it took a long time for us to get to this level of science. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and and but you're saying eventually it's not guaranteed. There's still objective right. truth there, yes, even if we yeah. Don't eventually, we're gonna get there. Like I believe, I personally believe sure. that that eventually we're gonna get more and more and more answers. That is exactly the point sure. of science. Yeah. No. Yes. Although I know, although of course the Christians are are and religious people are right. You know what would have to happen on the other side is God would actually have to come down and, and encounter us again, which is you know, <laughs> which is which is also a fairly valid uh, valid uh, scenario from from believers' point of view. Now, mm -hmm. this, Joseph, this, you had one more question, yeah, and, one then more question gonna, and then and I want to wrap up with one last question because it's a science one, cool. and it, okay. it gets down to the heart of science and religion and where they meet in the one end. Awesome, but awesome. I want to right. hear your last question. I guess my 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 last question is that. <clears throat> How much have you engaged with um, with Christian writers, Christian thinkers, and you know oh, uh, other Christians who have um, had um, pushback on these kind of questions that you've had? Uh, because most of the questions you've had, they're very good, and I have say, but mm. I can you know list off several very well known Christian thinkers who have had responses to these. Um, mm -hmm. Now, that's not to say that those responses are satisfying or would be yeah, okay. but I want to know is, have you done a lot to engage with that material or, well, and, or, or have you felt that you haven't really needed to because the answers that you have gotten have been satisfying to you? And by the way, I'm going to, before you answer, I'm going to quickly insert here. If you're a Christian listening to this, it isn't, and you're going to ask that question, it's incumbent upon you to go read 
atheist oh, yeah, philosophers and thinkers. Go read. Yeah, Hawkins. it goes. It goes. Go both read ways. Hawkins. It One goes both ways. Exactly. Be, yes, exactly. So yeah, mm -hmm. this is a question that should be absolutely both, both ways. Yeah. Okay, and to answer that, uh, I would say that I have not really engaged very much with this literature at all. And yes, part of the reasons that I felt that I don't really need to, like, because if I if I I do have some desire to do it, but most of it is just from like uh, maybe just debating or uh, mm. having different perspective standpoint. Sure. I don't believe I don't so far. I don't believe that they would it would convert me in any sure, way, sure, shape, sure. or form. So I, I might I might be interested <laughs> in it in a more intellectual sense. Sure. And to answer your question, no, I have really have not engaged uh, with it You're that, that much from us. You are I, I, I'll, I'll admit to that. Uh, oh, that is fine. That is fine. I'm definitely looking into that. I'll definitely look into that. And by the way, Hawking is a genius and he's absolutely oh, incredible. Absolutely. The he's only reason, the only, re the only reason he's amazing. he did not, the only reason he did not get a Nobel prize is because he was like a theoretical physicist because they only give Nobels for more like practical things. So, yeah. And, and yeah. Lawrence Krauss hasn't got one yet either, even though his work is incredible too. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so, so you had a qu final question. Nathan. Well, we'll yeah. do a final question. And this one, because we've asked a lot of moral questions, a lot of, you know, well, this is what the Bible says. What do you believe? So th this isn't, I love seeing your different perspectives. This one, I think, is the real reason I believe in God. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because apart from all the morality and, you know, desire for eternity and not wanting to stop existing, this, I, at the end of the day, I'm someone who's analytical and needs to believe that what I believe has reason behind it, not because because I want it to be true, but because I think it's more likely. And mm -hmm. there's a book by William Lane Craig, who is named one of the greatest philosophers of living right now. And he's talked to every atheist. And I love his conversations, um, especially with Hitchens. I'm a big Hitchens fans and it's really fun to watch him talk. But he formulated one of the most, um, I'd say, renowned arguments for the existence of God uh, in, in our modern time. And it's called the Kalam Cosmological Argument. And essentially, it takes it takes science seriously. That's what I love about him. He doesn't try to dismiss and be like, "Well, whatever." And he, where he actually shows that it's more reasonable to believe in a prime mover or a creator or designer than it is to not. And you know, you you talk about um, the Big Bang, right? That was formulated by a Catholic priest, believe it or not. Bazinga! That yes. uh, it literally coined the Big Bang. Yes. And he was made fun of for many, many years because we thought yes. that the universe was eternally. Yes. Um, had he was way mind. ahead of his time. Yes. Yes. And now we know that the universe had a beginning, which is interesting. And the, the cause. Probably. 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 The most likely. That's where science yes. is. Yes. Means. You're right. Yes. Yes. And the Kalam cosmological argument takes science seriously and it said, and it follows a logical um, trajectory, which is everything that comes to be has a, uh, everything. That, Everything exists has a beginning. I'm going to botch this. Right. Everything that comes to be right, has right, right, a right, right, and this right, is right. science. Yeah. And so, at the end of the day, the question that always gets me is, why is there something rather than instead nothing? of instead of nothing? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and what's your view, and how do you deal with that? Uh, so the the problem the good news I, is the, the good news. The good news is matters. He, Nathan said that this is the big reason he believes in God. So if you can deflate this, you can, you know. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. The, other yeah. side. the, the problem, shit. the problem I have with the, the this entire causality argument is that if you insert God as this primary mover, 
hmm. right? At the end of this causality chain, because I'm assuming that's what he led to eventually, right? That God is this, this, this primary mover, right? So by the end of the chain, it stops being causal. Because when you consider God, you have to, like, when, whenever I come to this argument, the typical atheist question would be, okay, so what is the cause for God? And then the answer is, it needs no cause because it's outside of space or time or outside sure, of sure, our yeah. understanding, et cetera. So then you stop the argument. Yeah. So that, that, that breaks down. Uh, I, I actually had a note about this in my, in my notes. I call this kicking the can, you know. Oh, I was about to accuse you of the same thing. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's kicking the can because I know that the, for example, I know that science does not have the definitive answer of how, what was this initial, you sure. know, uh, thing. But inserting God into the argument does nothing. So you're saying we don't know the cause, but why would you just throw God in there? Yeah, okay. precisely. Okay. Precisely. Okay. To, and, and I'll say to wrap up, to me, it makes more sense. And to you, it doesn't. Yeah, because I believe that we're going to eventually found this, find this scientific explanation of what happened and actually i think i think hawking suggested some theories of how universe could have come from nothing by uh, the way to all our listeners i want to say if you believe in god you believe in science take science seriously don't don't oh, dismiss oh, absolutely it's very important absolutely and yeah so, but my but my answer to your question would be adding god does nothing to the argument why, why make why make god the explanation yeah okay. yeah Cool. Well, thank you. This is really cool. This has been a really good and helpful and informative, I think, for our, our listeners as well. Very informative. Um, Wait, uh, we forgot to yell at each other and fight. Fight, fight, fight. <laughs> Next time. Next time. Next time. <laughs> um, this way he wants to come back on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, cool. Well, now we move on to everybody's favorite segment, the blesses and curses, where we take a piece of art, media, resource, that we want to recommend, therefore bless, or piece of art, meter resource, that we would tell you to stay away from and call out, therefore curse. So um, Nathan, do you uh, want to uh, get us started? Sure, yeah. I'm gonna bless a couple things and they're, and they're things that we talked about today. And, I, and if people want to go and hear more on these things, um, I think it's a, um, uh, I just wanna give some resources where people can go and hear them from different perspectives. Uh, one, I'd say the old classic is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. It's, uh, I think it just a really foundational book. C.S. Lewis was a staunch atheist, um, which I think is really valuable because he's not writing from a position of not understanding. And that's- And then he got converted, he got converted by Tolkien, if I recall correctly. He did, <laughs> nice, part, he was did. a big part of it, he was a big part of it, yes. Huge, yeah, yeah, big part of it. and. What I like about Lewis is that he takes atheists seriously. He doesn't dismiss them. He takes their, their arguments and their reasoning head on. And I wish more Christian writers would do that. And I don't see tons doing that. I see a lot of gotcha, a lot of YouTube things. And it's like, you're totally um, mischaracterizing their arguments so you can defeat them. And I think that's a real shame. But what I love about Lewis is that he takes them seriously and he answers them. Um, in a really beautiful way. And, and Lewis, obviously, if you listen to the podcast, you know that he's a big influence on both Joseph and I um, for his, his mental and creative skills. So Mere Christianity is a great place to start. 
Um, I'd also say if you want a very basic intro to Christian apologetics or theistic apologetics, I mentioned him earlier. He's probably the most influential um, Christian philosopher in, of today. His name is William Lane Craig. A lot of people hate him. A lot of people love him. Um, but he, again, is someone who takes uh, atheists and science seriously. He answers questions. He doesn't dodge and he doesn't. And that's really important. I think when you're having conversations, you cannot create straw men, uh, to make yourself feel better. You need to take these things head on. Um, and he does that in a really respectful and engaging way. And his book on guard is a very simple way to jump into these things. He also has great podcasts and stuff like that. I'm also going to bless, and this is going to be a funny one for you, a lot of you out there, but the way that I have, aside from knowing people like Mattis, the way that I have engaged honestly with atheists and people who believe different me is going and watching their videos and taking them seriously. And uh, Christopher Hitchens mm -hmm. is one of the guys who early on, I decided I was gonna watch and read him um, because I, I, one, I really liked his personality. He was funny, he was engaging. And I also watched him, he, he fought hard, but he also took, seriously questions and answered them as best he could rather than um, avoiding and dodging. I'm not a huge Dawkins fan. I got to be honest. Sometimes I feel like he he misinterprets things so he can defeat them. And he's, I don't he's, he, he's too combative. I would agree yes. with you on that one. He, may, he makes I, atheists look bad in a way that they don't deserve. Yes. Mm -hmm. And and basically, if you have like a picture of the atheist in, in Christian's mind, it's typically Dawkins. And yes. go, go and watch the videos and read the books. I know you don't believe them of um, Christopher Hitchens. I love this guy. Unfortunately, he passed a while ago. Yes. Um, I'd also, and you mentioned this, uh, Mattis, read the works of Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Um, he, he is incredible. And he was a genius. <laughs> and even if you don't agree about God, you will get something from his books. Or Absolutely. God, you will Absolutely. Him. Read Hawking. And I'm talking all of them, but his most popular would be... Um, Brief uh, History of... Brief yes, history of time. Yeah. The first one. Yes. yes. It's, it's genius. But I would, I would, I would very quickly add that that book is a little bit more difficult. Okay. Which one would you have people start if with? If you if you compare, like it was the first one. Sure. Uh, but I would uh, recommend the one that I read first, which is the universe in a nutshell. Do it. Okay. okay. It has it has know. a lot of the same things, but it's a little bit more dumbed down. So yes. read okay. Mere Christianity and the Universe in a Nutshell. Side yeah, by you, can start, you, you, can, you can start with Universe in a Nutshell and then you can move on to other books by yeah. him. But that was that to me That's was perfect. simple, simpler. Right. And by the way, I encourage Joseph, you were joking, but I think you're also serious. No, yeah. Get Mere Christianity or On Guard and get A Brief History of Time or The Universe in a Nutshell. Read them together, one right after the other. Give mm -hmm. yourself a bigger perspective so that you yeah. can make your own decisions. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I'm going to bless, I'm, so I blessed atheists because I, lo I love these guys and I bless uh, theists because I love those guys and I think you should engage with all of them. And for curses, <laughs> I'm going with an oldie, but a goodie. I, I gotta I gotta curse God's Not Dead, the movie again. Mattis, I don't know <laughs> yes. if you had this movie come to- No, no, I, I know, I'm aware you. of the movie. Uh, I have not watched it. Good. Well, okay. <laughs> You're, consider yourself lucky. Um, okay. This movie made me- frustrated me one it was a terribly made movie and it made well unintentionally they thought they were making their faith look great it made faith look stupid and but here's the real reason i'm cursing it is because they had one atheist the atheist professor in it and they made him an abusive disgusting idiotic right. villain right. 
so that right. they could conquer that character. By the way, he dies mm-hmm. in the end. Oh, and he, don't worry though, he has a deathbed conversion. Um, <laughs> but they make it on his deathbed, like I believe in God. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh literally. my God! He's laying Please. in the street. Oh, just as, run bad, the as bad as you think the movie is, it's worse. <laughs> yes, and I Ugh. think, but I think this is wrong. I think this is. How about this? I'll say this religious term. I think it's sinful. Because if you're not being honest about people and you're trying to, this is how racism, this is how sexism is. You are summing mm. people up in a way that you can hate them or dislike yeah. them or discount them. Yeah. And I think that's wrong. And so um, I'm going to curse God's not dead because I, I think they did that. And that really is unfortunate. And I'll also encourage you, go make a friend who's an atheist and talk to him. I, I'm not saying you have to convert. or Just or talk to them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> talk to them. Like we did today. This is, I think, a really valuable thing. Exactly. Exactly. And so I got to curse God's not dead. I'm trying to think of a good atheist thing to curse, just to be fair. Um, yeah, I, I mentioned it earlier, but uh, The God Delusion, to me, is a is a really lacking book. Uh, I think the arguments are lacking, and it's combative, and it it does what Christians often do, which is a lot of straw men. I would be reading, like, we don't believe in the same God. You know, uh, 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 Richard, yeah. you and I are atheists about the same God. I don't believe in the God you're fighting against right here. And so I got a curse God delusion. I know people love it. Um, instead, go listen to Hitchens. He's at least more fun. Uh, and I like fun. So, <laughs> um, but those are, yeah, God's not dead and the God delusion. I'm cursing all at once. Wow, that's that's pretty incredible. Well, well we've got a massive list here of blessings yep. and curses. I will try to keep mine short to keep us on responsible time here. Nah. Um, <laughs> and, so I'm going to bless. I love that you did the resources because that frees me up to do art. And mm-hmm. um, I'm going to first bless two of, I think, the best um, atheist fantasy uh, f- fiction out there and television, um, which is uh, Doctor Who and Rick and Morty. Nice. Uh, yeah. Those... <laughs> shows do the best job of creating a a fictional universe that explores and celebrates what's beautiful about the atheist imagination which Mm. is i you know i would argue sometimes maybe harder for atheists to do because you don't have the transcendent automatically baked into the worldview it says okay you have to say no this world is beautiful and transcendent even though there is no god and, you know, they, you know, a Doctor Who does it by, you know, creating, you know, an alien who's able to say beautiful things about the universe and give a cosmic perspective and intimate perspective. And Rick and Morty does a sort of more subversive way of doing it, but still does the same thing. Look, I can have a cosmic perspective and still say you are individually beautiful. Doctor Who has a great phrase, you know, at, which goes to your, uh, your, your, our conversation we just had, he's uh, where he said, um, um, if I'm remembering it correctly, um, <clears throat> I know that you, what you're going to say, the um, what's the point of being happy now if we're going to be sad later? The answer is obvious because we're going to be sad later. Mm, and, right. okay. and that I think is there are very few works of art that can make atheism seem potentially beautiful. Maybe not true, but potentially beautiful. Doctor Who and Rick in lesser extent, but also more fun extent, Rick and Morty are ones that can do that. So I'm going to bless them. Uh, for that reason. I'm also going to bless sort of on the more religious side, but still on this whole vein. I know that a lot of people don't like it. I love it. The movie Signs by M. Night Shyamalan. Oh, I love it too. Yep. <laughs> that movie, I think, does one of the best jobs of showing the wrestling between the two worldviews. Mel Gibson's character does actually talk about, look, do you think that the world is made of signs or not? 
Is it made of mm -hmm. miracles or is it not? And those are two worldviews. You're going to have to pick one. And in their view, the way that the movie wrestles with it, it says the world is more redeemable and it's more, you are more capable of redeeming the world if you think that it is one where God is involved and it is signs and not. And that's the argument that the, that the, the movie makes. You don't have to believe that. But, you know, I bless the atheist side of it. I think this side, the this argument, I think, is one of the best at grappling with that issue in a really artistically beautiful um, way. So that's why I'm blessing signs for that reason. Uh, curse. I was going to curse God's Not Dead franchise. You stole <laughs> that one from me. I do have a couple of, um, I'm going to uh, <clears throat> curse, I'll cast a couple of the sort of atheist interpretations of things, uh, of movies. Um, I'm going to uh, a curse. Um, oh, what was it? What was that? The one I, I just come up with. Um, I, I'm going to curse. Well, first of all, here's the thing. I'm going to curse um, the uh, Shadowlands movie with with uh, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. For the reason that it was telling the interesting. It was telling C.S. Lewis' story of how he, you know, of how he met his wife and his struggles with grief after his death. The problem is because the people who made it were atheists. They cut it off and made it seem like he stopped being a Christian at the end, which you know, he cut off before the story ends. And so I, to me, thought that that was that was not fair because it was misrepresenting the actual story. Like, you know, you can be an atheist. and That's fine. But if you're telling a story about a Christian, don't lie about it. Like you don't lie about what actually happened historically. And that's even omission, omitting. Yeah, exactly. It's sin of omission. It's mm -hmm. like, you know, don't Christians and atheists you don't do that when you're talking about historical people. Um, I will also say about sort of on the. Um, uh a couple recent oh yeah like the <clears throat> there's a couple of recent things movies is like the, the both um yes god yes and unpregnant are both ones that uh movies recently came out that basically create these caricatures of christians just to laugh at them that don't actually represent that the, the unpregnant it just sounds stupid <laughs> like I don't know, I don't know anything. I haven't even heard this title before. It's a I don't know, I, I don't know anything about it. But like the i the idea that comes up in my head when I'm hearing this word in a, like if in a context of uh, faith versus atheism is like, oh my god, this is gonna be idiotic. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna they're gonna botch the the you know the 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 the. the it's, what it's what's it called in English? The thing that Neri did, where where Virgin uh, Birth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, no, yeah, it, they, no. Sadly, it's a comedy road trip movie about abortion, which is about as funny as it sounds. But, <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> no. Um, How about anyway, no? But that's those are those are some of the worst examples recently of people. Yeah. of trying to do caricatures of Christians that that just make atheists look bad by doing that. Can we all stop doing caricatures of each other? Thank that you. Great. That I mean, would be great. That would be that's, awesome. That's unfortunately a, a lot um, of how the debating goes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the, in the large scheme of things. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, okay, cool. All right. So, um, Mattis. Uh, yeah. So, how about you? What, what would you okay, I'm gonna, uh, my Mine's going to be way shorter, but uh, I think that's fine. I'm going to get the curse out of the way. Because that's that's gonna be even 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 shorter than the, than the blessing. Uh, I came up with it while Nathan was talking about his uh, curses and blessings. I'm gonna curse ignorance. Nice. Because because that is the <laughs> thing. That is the thing that keeps us from like that. It creates these straw men and these fake yeah. arguments that we went pretend to defeat yeah. uh, and. Yeah, so it all boils down to to just being ignorant towards mm. the other side, 
and what yeah. they have to say and etc so i'm gonna i'm gonna just curse that by the way i'm gonna agree real quick and say the one thing that all my atheists and christian friends have in common like seriously um mm -hmm. deep thinking atheists and christian friends we're all looking and trying to understand truth and i think that's a beautiful thing yes absolutely and ignorance we can actually join forces and be like oh, we come to different conclusions but we're still seeking what's true and i think that's a beautiful thing absolutely about absolutely and then for the blessing this was the thing that i came up with immediately after you told me that you're doing this curses and blesses thing and we haven't talked about this during the, our conversation at all but there is a book there's also a movie but i haven't seen the movie but there is a book called the shack yep oh and Ready? for me that to me was the best pro faith thing i have read wow really? I, I i i mentioned that i have not engaged really with the philosophical like the writings of yeah. of people who present these counter arguments like what what when joseph asked so yeah but from what i have engaged with the shack to me was the best thing ever because it for me it removed this problem of convolution that we talked about sure. because in it the the christian teachings are boiled down to their very core yes like love compassion acceptance you know all, all these sure, yeah. things and if you boil it down to that when i was reading the book i was like yeah i can totally agree with that Sure. I can believe yeah. in that. I can I can live by this paradigm. Yeah. And I, I am in total agreement with it. So by the way, if you liked how uh William, William Young boiled down these convoluted yeah. issues into base things, you're gonna love Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I am I am familiar a little bit with the New Testament. <laughs> I know what you mean. I understand your point. To me, the New Testament is actually less convoluted than the yeah. old one. But yeah. but uh, to come back to the shack, yeah. So for me, that was the I love the shack. The thing that I loved about it, and like I said, for me, it re really removed the problem of you know all these different layers that I have to get through if I'm like reading yeah. the Bible, for example. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but then I invariably I came to the same conclusion that I mentioned during the conversation. Yes, I agree with all these basic sure. uh, mm. premises, but then again, why then do I need this huge mm. system yeah. of belief that involves the Bible and also all the other things like rituals, yeah. for example, uh, or sacraments? Uh, whatever, whatever, whatever it is. If I can just remove and condense it to a several pages, yeah, and, and just have this sort of guide for being a good, compassionate uh, person, and that is mm -hmm. absolutely fine. But that's great. But then yeah, why do we, why do yeah. we need this whole system that does so that? It made me appreciate those basic things very, very much, but it didn't help at all in me considering uh, right converting myself in any sort of way. It was like sure, that makes sense. No, but I want to point that out for that doesn't, that doesn't solve anything at all in that you know direction. I want to point out to our listeners: our atheist, our vehemently atheist guest, just blessed a Christian book. 
they can be nicer and kinder and smarter than you might think. Go talk to them. They're pretty cool. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you for one more bless, Mattis. Yeah. Um, quickly, if yeah. people, if a total unlearned, uneducated person, if they want to understand a little more of the atheist perspective, how you think, why you think, as they're reading scripture, all these kind of things, what's the one book you'd say, go here just to kind of get an overview of why we believe what we believe? Or do you think that's impossible? So if you're talking about the boiling down of what would be a place for people to start? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't, I'm not sure I could, I could name one specific author. Cause like, for example, even my own, you know, things that I mentioned during this conversation, it's a mishmash of a sure. bunch of different ideas sure. and things from and different years people. of education. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. I, I, we've got the universe in a nutshell. So that might be, you know, like, a yeah, good I mean, I but, but that, but that has zero, zero to do with faith, to be perfectly honest. Sure, sure, it's right? a, it's a, it's a completely scientific book about the universe. It's like astrophysics. That's Maybe all that's it is. Start. That, that's all it is. So yeah, actually, actually, yeah. If you, if you go from that direction, yeah. If so, so if you want to understand the scientific paradigm and perspective, that is the basis for most uh, atheists. Yes, that is correct. Um, yeah, go start with Stephen Hawking and just try to put yourself in this position of this is natural objective world that we observe mm -hmm. and we discover things about it and we understand how it functions and we don't necessarily need any supernatural agents on top of it like remove the supernatural element and just uh, try to start it try to start at zero perceive perceive uh the world as it is just this without adding the other stuff on top of it yeah this is yeah. great this has been so much fun and i'm honestly really hoping that all of our listeners both atheists and believers can hopefully see an example today of we can disagree and have fun and talk about these things and that these things are important to talk about because they will affect how we see the world and at the end of the day here are the overthinkers we love reaching and trying to understand truth whatever that might be and that's why it's so fun thank you mattis for being with us we're so happy you stopped thank by. you for having me of course do you want people to get in touch with you and if you do where can they get in touch with you uh Probably the best bet would be would be Facebook because uh, I I am I am active there. You can find uh, on the Overthinkers group too. Little yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So cool. if you if anyone wants if to engage in talking debate debate me uh, on any <laughs> on any on <laughs> on anything or just expand on the conversation that we had, you know, uh, absolutely, I'm very much always open awesome. to to discussions cool. and conversations. And, and hey, if, if people want to get something translated to, into Lithuanian, also like reach out to him. <laughs> yeah, uh, or 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 from Spanish into English, because I know oh. Spanish as well. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> oh, that's I don't have that much work with it, but uh, sure. I know Spanish. I'm actually, I could consider myself a polyglot. I know like five languages. Oh, wow. I no just, big deal. I just, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I did mention that atheists tend to be the most educated and we haven't. I, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know all of them good enough to actually like professionally sure. work with them, but I can speak Russian. I can understand a little bit of Polish. I can understand Spanish and speak Spanish yeah. and English. Wow. Of you're, course, you're way ahead so, of me. Yeah. Way ahead of me. Um, okay, cool. <laughs> so Nathan, if you want people, you want people to get in touch with you, where can they go? They can go to nathanclarkson.me or search my name, Nathan Clarkson, on any of the socials. 
Cool. And you can find me at josephholmstudios.com. You can find me on any of the socials as well. And of course, on Facebook and the Overthinkers group and the overthinkersjournal.com. And of course, if you want to see my work, my film critic work, my culture critic work, you can go to uh, Religion Unplugged and search my name. Well, thank you again so much, Mattis, for this. You see, I'm not using your last name anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you for joining us. And thank you all for listening. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Thank you.